Electricast. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 105 of the Burden and Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Brian. Uh, today, I've got a really special episode here for you. It's another kind of dual podcast, if you will, because my guest in uh, this discussion is Michael Tanner, former active duty United States Marine, Oorah, and uh, he has his own podcast called the Rookie Leaders Podcast. And what we did was we just recorded one conversation that's going to air on both of our shows. So if you're here on the Burden of Command podcast and you're listening to this, I highly encourage you to head over and check out the Rookie Leaders podcast. Obviously, this one you'll hear the same show, uh, but he's got plenty of other guests over there that Michael has had and uh, discussions that he has put on uh, himself. And uh, he's got a lot of great content over there. If you like what I have here, you're definitely going to love what he has. I have links to that in the show notes as well. Uh, But what you're getting ready to hear is, and I like the way Michael puts it, is just a couple of Marines kind of nerding out over leadership. And that's exactly what we do for the duration of this show. Uh, We cover a lot of topics. We cover a lot of ground. And we talk a lot about uh, taking the time to really get to know your team and understand who they are and the benefits that that has to your leadership and success. So, without further ado, I want to shut up in this part, let the stinger play, and let you go ahead and get into this great conversation I had with Mr. Michael Tanner. Earl, my man, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Uh, hey, I'm happy to be here. And Michael, welcome to the Burn to Command Podcast. So, here's the deal, dude. I, you know you and I can nerd out on leadership but you and i have something in common that we can nerd out on the marine corps as well it's it's a real joy to have another marine on the podcast this is a first for me i've had lots of other great leaders but i have another brother another uh, marine on the podcast with me i'm i'm excited to share you with my audience Oh, hey, and I feel the same way. You know, I've interviewed all sorts of Army generals and Air Force generals and colonels, and I think I've only had one, maybe two other Marines on my show. So I'm with you. I always love talking leadership with a Marine. Yeah, we are the few and the proud, right? Yeah. There you go. So you we, go. we should, what we should do for, for both of our audience sake is we should just acknowledge up front that we're doing a single recording here, uh, but we pan, plan to publish this on both of our podcasts, right? And so uh, this will be a single recording on both podcasts. So I think probably what's relevant to do here is a quick introduction to your audience, what my podcast is, and then to my audience, what your podcast is. So let me kick that off really quickly. So for your audience, uh, again, my name is Michael Tanner, and I uh, have the Rookie Leaders Podcast. And it's a podcast that is published on a weekly basis, And it's really devoted to uh, especially people that find themselves uh, new to leadership, new maybe management or supervisor role, some title like that. But they're somewhat new to leadership or maybe they're in a phase where they're starting to grow their leadership. They've been uh, a, a leader of a really small team for some time now. Uh, and now they see themselves with bigger responsibilities, maybe a bigger team, and they just want to learn leadership. And, and so I, uh, in the Rookie Leaders podcast, I publish monologue type episodes where I just bring a topic to the audience and just kind of unpack that topic uh, 
myself. And then other times I bring other leaders to the podcast in an interview type format and then share their wisdom and their insight with the audience as well, much like I'm doing right here on the podcast with, with you today. So you can find me in pretty much all the directories, uh, the podcast directories, just go and search for rookie leaders podcast and you'll find me there. So, uh, with that said, Earl, what about you? What, let us know about your, my audience, let us know about your podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I really do. And, 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 you know, first of all, uh, listeners on the burden of command side, make sure you go check out the Rookie Leaders podcast. It is outstanding. Uh, for the Rookie Leaders listeners, uh, you know, the burden of command podcast is uh, it's, it's very similar. Uh, I just come at it from a slightly different angle. You know, I, I get people from all walks of life. I've had mindfulness experts. I've had, uh, you know, I've had people talking about creativity. I've had people talking about the future. But I, I start everybody out with this singular question. Uh, what does the burden of command, what does that phrase mean to you? And I've learned a lot by how people answer that question. And, uh, you know, it, it's great. It's great. I've, I've asked generals that question. Uh, I've asked CEOs that qu uh, question. I've asked people from Switzerland that question. And it's, it's amazing how similar yet different people view that answer. And uh, you can find me on, on pretty much all the platforms as well. Although I just found out, I guess, when I switched to Anchor a while back, uh, I didn't get transferred over to Stitcher, so I got to untangle that. But uh, I think that's the only one I'm not on right now is Stitcher, and I got to fix that. Um, and uh, you can also find I've got my podcast linked on uh, my business's webpage. I'm partnered with an army guy of all things uh, in uh, an organization called the Leadership Phalanx, P H A L A N X. But you know, Michael, uh, before we get too far down the road here, I want to start you off uh, where I start off all the guests on my show with that question. Mm -hmm. When you hear the burden of command, what does that mean to you? Well, Earl, I mean, that's a, that's an incredible question. And I, I've listened to your podcast for some time now and, and know that you start off with that question. Uh, and like you, I'm, I'm really interested in, a, in the answers that you get from a lot of individuals. Uh, and I have the luxury of, I've heard you ask that question before and I've had some time to think about it. Uh, but you know, the first thing when, when you say it that way, it resonates with me in something that I teach a lot. And that is that, that, um, you know, leadership or command to you, use your words is it, it's difficult. It, it's hard work. It's tough. It's, it's burdensome to use your, you know, your language. It, there's a lot of weight and responsibility to leadership, but I always follow that with, but it is so worth it. Right. When you lead well and you see other people win, it is so worth it. But when I think about specifically the burden of command, I see it this way. First of all, I see the burden as just the immediate burden of those that you're leading. Uh, now, we're most likely talking about talking to people here in the corporate world. Right. Um, you and I have a, a past in the military and all where we were literally the burden of command. And some of the others that I know you've interviewed the burden of command meant you had the burden of their life in your hands to some degree in, in their, you know, leading them well. Well, in the corporate world, thankfully, we don't have anybody risking the losing of their life under our command or under our leadership. However, that doesn't really 
reduce the burden any if you really care about your people because the the burden of command the burden of leading them is the immediacy of their well-being uh, i mean if if you don't lead well people might lose their jobs and when people lose their jobs they may le- lose their livelihoods who knows how that can snowball into uh how many times do we we see that people you know, divorce happens or lose their family or whatever, that, that it all started with the loss of a job or something like that. And so I I really put a lot of pressure on myself to lead well because I care so much about those immediate people that I'm leading. But then secondly to that, I, there, there's a ripple effect to leadership, if you will. And I've got a good story from the from my Marine Corps days of about how I followed a really bad leader. And so there is this ripple effect of leadership in that if you lead poorly, well, guess what you're doing? You're teaching those that are on your team how to also lead poorly. And so one day when they when they become a leader, they're likely to follow in your footsteps and lead poorly also. Thankfully, the reverse is true also. If you lead very well, those that you lead, when they become leaders, they're likely to follow in your footsteps. And therefore, there's this ripple effect of good leadership going out from from your efforts or bad leadership going out from your efforts as well. So I just keep those things in mind. The immediacy of, man, I got I to gotta take care of the people that are on my team now. But also, I've got to take care of this ripple effect that down the road, how these people that I'm leading now will also lead in the future. So to me, that's the the burden that is command. Yeah. And, and no, and I love that answer. And you said a lot there and, you know, you, you kind of circled back on it. I'm glad because, you know, you're, you're right to an extent, we don't have necessarily the life and death uh, decisions in their hand, you know, people getting taken out by, uh, you know, by, by hot lead or IEDs, right. but like you just pointed out there, you know, we, we see this a lot when, when we, you know, people, you know, commit suicide or, or people commit domestic violence that maybe ends in a death or even workplace violence ends in a death, you know, in a lot of ways, even in the corporate world, yeah, life and death can be hanging into balance about how well you lead those people. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are, are stressed out, if you're a jerk of a boss, and you're not building those relationships and you're not taking the time to know your people and you're marginalizing people based off of age, race, sex, mm-hmm. religion, gender identity. Yeah. You can create a scenario where life and death does literally hang in the balance. So yeah, it's not as prominent. I agree with you on that, but man, it, it, it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, again, we, we're working today, at least you and I, and, and those that we're working with, we're working today in an environment where we're not shooting bullets at one another is, is likely. Uh, but I believe this burden of command, I believe as a leadership uh, principle, we should, we should lead as if it is life and death, right? Because yeah. to, to your point, uh, we just don't know how our leadership may impact someone, especially uh, if it's poor leadership, if it's bad leadership, we don't understand uh, readily the the ramifications of that on a person that's on our team, what might be happening at home and so forth. So I believe we should lead as if it was life and death, if, if that depended on it. And having said that, we can kind of segue right into what we were going to talk about. I mean, we, as we were talking about topics, you and I both teach – and a, a topic that resonates with us very, very well 
is this idea of building relationships within your leadership. Right. And, and I know you and the, and your partner there at the leadership phalanx, you guys are focused on what the Marine Corps calls the 11 leadership principles. And it's interesting that we're having this recording now because I'm in a series with my podcast on the, the 14 leadership traits, uh, from the Marine Corps manuals. And so, but you guys focus on those 11 leadership principles. And I think it'd be great for both of our audiences to talk about that one principle, uh, where it talks about uh, know your people and look out for their welfare. So let's start that that conversation. Talk to me about what you guys teach or what your what is your feelings around building relationships as a leader? Oh yeah, no, it's it's. Um... I mean, it's eminently important, you know, and one of the things we did with these, uh, the phalanx, so just real quick kind of imagery here for our listeners, we took those uh, principles and we turned them into shields, you know, because that's what a phalanx is really is a formation of interlocking shields uh, that gives even small numbers great strength. And so we looked at these 11 principles that we were taught in the Marines and surprisingly the army was taught as well. And we said, let's turn these into shields. Let's really uh, push this uh, phalanx imagery when we're teaching them. And so we reworded them a little bit. And so our version is uh, build relationships and look out for your people. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's abundantly important because we tend to go on through our day uh, as leaders because we got a lot of them on our plate and, and not thinking about what our what our team members are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have sick family members? Is it their birthday? Is it a family member's birthday? Um, you know, being the country that we're in, we're predominantly uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. It, just because it's Christmas, is that a holiday that most of my employees celebrate? Do I have uh, Muslims on my uh, team that celebrate different holidays? All right. these things, right? And you know, these aren't questions that you can just necessarily sit down and say, hey, are you Muslim? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's laws against that. Of course. But yep. if you're taking the time to build those relationships, right, what we're talking about here, you get to know those things through conversation. That's right. You get to know how you can better serve your people. And and, and so building relationships, and when we're talking about relationships here, you know, we're not talking about dating. We're not talking about doing anything inappropriate. We're talking about building professional relationships where you know legitimate things about your people. Mm -hmm. So I think it is abundantly important for leaders to open themselves up. And and, and it's not even just about, you know, this is the thing about a relationship. It's not just about getting to know your team. It's letting your team get to know you. Yes. Yep. Yeah, totally. I I agree with that. And, 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 like you said, that this is not some inappropriate relationship we're talking about. And the way I teach that is you as a leader, you've got to demonstrate that you are generally interested and curious about them as a person, not about mm-hmm. what position they play in the team or, or not just about what they're doing, uh, you know, in, in your job, in your work or delivering to your project or whatever. It's not curiosity just about what they're doing, but it's curiosity about who they are. And, you know, to your point, in that curiosity, you have conversations and that's where you uh, uncover maybe if if they do have a, a religion of choice, you you discover that. If they do have children, then in those conversations, in that curiosity, you learn about those children, you learn their names, 
You learn what schools they're going to. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, you you learn birth dates and you learn anniversary dates and how long they've been married or, you know, or the re- you learn that they, they lost their spouse a few years back or you just learn that information because it's a curiosity about them as a person. Um, that's mm-hmm. the kind of relationship that we're that we're talking about here, as you said, certainly not an inappropriate relationship. And, you know, the question that audience members may have is, well, why is that important? Why? Why are relationships so important? So kind of to lead into that, I'll, I'll say this. Maybe you've uh, are you familiar with Jocko Willink and his podcast and his books oh, and yeah. so forth? Yeah. So yeah, I remember I, like I remember watching a. Uh, one of his podcasts uh, a good while back, and he had he had an army tank commander on there, uh, and this guy was a tank commander in World War II, uh, Korea, and Vietnam, and he made the comment he, he he was talking about leadership, and he was talking about the fact that leadership isn't only about rank, even in the military. Maybe when you teach that, you have the same reaction that I do. A lot of people have the misconception that it's all about rank. That's a large part of it, yes. But, and this guy talks about that it's a lot about relationship too. Leadership is about relationship. And he used this analogy. He said, when you're inside of a tank and you have to tell a guy to get out of the tank to fix a track while you're under fire, he's not going to do that just because you outrank him. He's going Mm -hmm. to do that because you have a relationship with him such that he trusts you and he knows that you have the best interest at heart of the whole team, including him. When he knows that, when he has that relationship with you, then he'll willingly get out of the tank and fix the track under fire. So that's what I teach is these relationships are so important because that's the foundation for influence to get people to, to do the things we need them to do much more so than our title ever will enable us to do that. What's your thoughts there on the importance of it? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I love that example. And like bringing it to the corporate world here for a second, you know, let, let, let's think about this for a second. You don't care about your employees. You don't care about their family. You don't do any of these things, right? And then you have to ask that important sales member or, or important uh, C-suite executive or whatever to, you know, travel across, uh, travel overseas during their anniversary week. And you create all this turmoil in their life and their wife's mad at them. Their wife's mad at you or their husband's mad at them. They're mad at you. And you create all this stress and maybe you, that's the final straw that breaks the camel's back and that leads to the divorce or all those things. Right. Sure. Not your problem, right? You're, you're trying to get a job done. You're trying to look out for your, uh, your stakeholders. That's one way. Or imagine if you take the time and you got to know that person, you built that relationship, and on the anniversary, you do something nice. You you give them a free dinner. You send their wife flowers saying congratulations or something like that. And then the same exact scenario happens, and you're able to sit there and say, you know, hey, look, I apologize. I know this is your anniversary, but I need this to happen. This is very important. Chances are pretty good. That spouse is going to turn around and be like, hey, I get it. You know, they, they're really good to us. They treat us well. Go, go do good things. Yeah. And you don't have any of that turmoil. And, oh, by the way, which person do you think is going to represent the organization better on that trip? The person who's stressed out because their spouse is yelling at them because they had to leave or the person that has their spouse's blessing and wants them to go succeed. Yeah. 
that's the difference that we're talking about here, right? Yeah. It has a deep impact on your organization just from a success standpoint, like like what your military mm-hmm. example says. Yeah, yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally agree with you. I, if you, as a leader, if you get someone to do something out of position or authority or something like that, you, you may get them to take some action and they may deliver in some immediate sense some type of result that you're looking for. But you have to recognize that that type of leadership is short-lived. That person Mm -hmm. isn't for a long time going to do things for you just because you outrank them or because you have a title over them. Uh, They're either going to outright stop doing what you ask them to do or tell them to do or or do it half-heartedly or belligerently, or they're going to leave. They're not going to do this long-term. Uh, and if you are going to ask these things, especially heroics and things like that from individuals, you'd better have a really good relationship with them because that that's where the longevity is. You'll get similar yeah. results. You'll get the same results from people. They'll do what you want them to do, but they'll do it for a long time. They'll do it for years and years and years to come. And like your analogy of, you know, going somewhere over the weekend or doing some heroics over the weekend, you're right. I mean, if you just say, Hey, Got to have this sales call. I'm sorry it's on a Saturday, but off you go, right? Or, or the other option is, look, I know you got three children and, and they're all at home right now. And this this time is precious and valuable to you. But the team really needs somebody there Saturday. I really hate to ask you to do this. I assure you, when you get back, I'll make sure that this is not the norm. and You have the weekends with your family that you need and deserve. That's totally different. And to your point, that person's going to go on that sales call that weekend and be a much better representative for of you and the company and the team because they've got a good relationship with the leader that asked them to go. Yeah, exactly. And 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 here's the thing, right? And, and people love that second leader, right? There, there's a reason why General James Mannis is as popular as he is amongst the Marines. Right. And it's because of stories like that. You know, there's the infamous story of him, and I'm sure you probably heard it, uh, when he was uh, stationed in Quantico, uh, showing up on Christmas Eve to relieve some young sergeant uh, on barracks duty. Right. Right. Here's yeah. a general. I think he was a two-star general at the time. Yes. But comes in and he relieves a sergeant on barracks duty on Christmas Eve so that sergeant can go home and be with their, their family. Yes. And and now, you know, we revere that guy. He he we call him Saint Mattis for a reason. <laughs> and you can build that level of of excitement and loyalty and legacy with your team. Yes. If you do it, and here's the key. You have to do it genuinely, right? Yeah, and the reason I say that is I've been in, <laughs> I went into one organization. I felt so sorry for this guy. I started talking about, he's like, I do all those things. I was like, really? Yeah. Every time somebody checks in, I have this spreadsheet. I have them fill out that has all that information on it. And I go into my calendar and I set up an auto reminder that sends them a, a, a message. So I don't forget. I'm like, but that's not genuine, right? You're not communicating right. with them. Google calendars is. Yeah. You're, you're not doing anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> is that such a touch is huge. Yeah. That is such a good point. I mean, you're not trying to, you're not um, acting here, right? You're not trying to be manipulative, right? You're not trying to find out when their birthday is just so that you can manipulate with that information and, you know, and, and so forth. You, again, like I was saying earlier, you're genuinely curious about them as a person. 
right? Again, it's not done in a manipulative manner for your own, you know, for your own self-interest, right? But rather it's because you can know more about them and understand them better. Well, I think it's important to, so why is relationship important? We've talked about that, but we should also talk about, well, okay, well, how, how do you build relationships? And I wanted to read something really quickly. When you told me you were working on the 11 leadership principles, uh, I, I looked them up and, and I have a little commentary from the Marine Corps here, and it talks about this one, know your people and look out for their welfare. It says this, this is one of the most important of the leadership principles. And it, th- Listen to this sentence. I really love this. A leader must make a conscious effort to observe a Marine, his Marines and how they uh, react in different situations. I love that part where it says a leader must make a conscious effort. Because that's what I teach as well. Because a lot of times people will ask me, especially in the context of a corporate team, because this this getting to know each other, this relationship type stuff, a lot of times is foreign concept inside the corporate world. And so a lot of a lot of uh, leaders will ask me, okay, well, how do I build relationships with my team members? So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. How do you do that? Yeah, well, I think it all starts with with one word, and that's authenticity. Mm-hmm. And as a good friend of mine, uh, Dov Barron, uh, describes authenticity, and I apologize if, if you don't have uh, swearing on your show, but he says authenticity is when you know your team shit and your team knows your shit and you still want to continue working together as a team. Right. And and what he's meaning by that is being transparent. You know, don't try to hide stuff. Don't try to sugarcoat things. Don't try to be that perfect, infallible leader that never stumbles and never fails. You know, I promise you, you're going to generate a lot more of this relationship capital to use kind of a, an 80s term there. But you're going to build a lot of that relationship capital by being open and being vulnerable and, and, and being willing to say, and I'm sure you saw this in the Marine Corps a lot, you know, hey, especially when you're on kind of a, a, in a joint unit, you know, look, yeah, I've got the most rank on my collar. I'm the CEO, but you're an expert in this field. I'm going to take a followership role. Mm-hmm. You take the leadership role. And I want to learn from you because yeah. this is a weak spot. And it goes to, you know, one of those, uh, another principle is um, what we call uh, play to your team's strengths. And, and the, the Marine Corps calls it employ your team in accordance with their strengths. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of that relationship is knowing those strengths and weaknesses and being okay, giving, giving a culture of where it's okay to have a weakness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and coming back to that authenticity, having these real genuine discussions, you know, let's, let's use some modern times here, right? Uh, We have very diverse workplaces. We've seen a lot of things go down over the past year with the, the social justice arena. How many organizations had leaders that had the relationship to be able to, when they see a George Floyd incident playing out on the TV, to sit down and talk to their employees and be like, hey, how did that scene make you feel? What impact did that have on your work? And what can we do to support you and create a better environment going forward? Yep. That's how you build relationships is just be authentic and show genuine interest. There's not a huge magical formula to it, at least in my opinion. Maybe you've got one. Yeah. I'd love to hear it if you do. But it's it's that easy. Yeah. Build a genuine relationship. Show interest. Yeah. 
No, I, I completely agree with that. And and I certainly teach the same thing. And, and that is, you know, your people are not going to be willing to share with you at a deeper level than you're willing to share with them, right? So authenticity mm-hmm. or even vulnerability, um, if you want your people to to trust you enough to be vulnerable and, and share with you when they're struggling with something or when they're, you know, when they're failing at some, especially some task within the team or something like that, they're not going to do that until they've seen you be just as vulnerable or just as authentic. So there, there's certainly a lot to be said for that. I think what I would add to it is the idea of being intentional about it, right? You as the leader have to own the relationship. And therefore, you have to be intentional to take the actions, do the things necessary to build the relationship. When I say you as a leader have to own the relationship, you have to recognize sometimes this is organizationally defined, right? You have an org chart and you are above your team members in the org chart. Um, other times it's just, you know, with some type of title recognition, you're somewhat separated from your team members. Um, other times maybe it's not an org chart, but it's uh, responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. Maybe you're on a project and you're the project lead, right? You have to recognize that there, there's this boundary there, whether it's formally defined or not, there's this boundary that's going to prevent most of your team members from taking action to the, to develop a relationship with you, right? They're not likely at all to take the effort to build a relationship with you. You are the only one that can cross that boundary and build those relationships. As the leader, you're the one then that has to take the action, has to be intentional to uh, to take the action and build those relationships. And and what is that action you take? I mean, it's any number of things, right? It it could be formal one-on-one meetings with your team members on a regular basis. Maybe once a week, you meet with each team member one-on-one. And as a part of that one-on-one meeting, you have just some curiosity questions. Hey, tell me a little bit about your family. I I don't know much about them right now, right? It could be those kind of questions, right? That you're intentionally asking in that intentionally scheduled one-on-one meeting. Uh, Or it could be, you know, I'm just going to swing by your desk once a week, but I'm going to intentionally swing by your desk once a week. And I'm just going to, I'm not asking you about the project or, or how you're doing on that deliverable. I'm, I want to know about you, right? So I would just, I would add to your authenticity. I would add intentionality. You've got to be the one to own and initiate that relationship. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, there's the, the, the uh, kind of new saying is, is uh, catch people doing something right. Yeah. You know, because a lot of folks get focused on on the negative, and that's the key part, you know, the way the Marine Corps principle is, uh, you know, know your people and look out for their welfare. The The key word there is welfare, mm-hmm. right? Look out for them. So we talk about in the Marines, our, our primary missions, right, our mission accomplishment and true welfare, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you heard this, but the way it was taught to me was those aren't one and two, they're one and one A. Yeah, yeah. Right? you can't accomplish the mission without making sure your, your troops are taken care of. And you, it, it doesn't matter if your troops are taken care of, you don't have a mission. Those two things are together. Um, and, and so, yeah, looking at the welfare is, is huge. It's a huge piece. Right. Um, and right. you talk about those barriers, right? I mean, let's just be completely honest. 
a lot of those barriers, well, it's true, they exist. They're completely artificial. That's right. Right. We've made those constructs up in our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you being from Atlanta, you probably know who Dan Cathy is, of right? Of course. Yes. Yes. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. Right. I heard somebody tell a story about him. I can't remember who it was now, but he was doing an interview and somebody once asked him, said, uh, how many customers do you have? And like, without skipping a beat, he said something like, it was like 6,284. Yeah. Yeah. And the person's confused. Like you're, you're the second leading fast food chain in the country and you're not even open on Sundays and you only have 6,284 customers. Right. He's like, no, those aren't my customers. The people that work for me are my customers. What you're talking about are my customers' customers. Yeah. And that was a relationship he had. Those people were his customers. He was serving them. And and I think that's, you know, kind of what you're talking about here is, is what type of relationship do you have that, that tears down those barriers? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that so reminds me of kind of a business growth strategy that I teach a lot in, in leadership because uh, a lot of leaders that will bring me in for coaching, their real mo- motive is to grow their business in some way, right? And and, and I always mm-hmm. teach that to grow your business, treat your people better, treat your people well. Uh, too many, I think, especially high-level le- executives, they see the customer, the end user, the, the real customer of their business or of their product as more important than their team members, uh, and, and I've never connected it. Uh, I will from now on. But as you said, those those leadership principles of, you know, complete the mission, but take care of your people. And that's because without your people, you'll never complete the mission. Uh, but I but I teach it that way that if you want to grow your business, focus your your efforts on your people, on your team, and then they will take care of the business growth with the customer. Um, so such an important leadership and business growth uh, principle there. And I, and I haven't heard that about Dan Cathy, but I don't doubt it one bit. I, I see that in that organization a lot. So, well, Earl, mm-hmm. I, I think we've unpacked relationships and the importance of, of them and kind of how to build them. Is, is there any other kind of final words or anything you would want to share with our audiences here on this idea of, you know, knowing our people and, and taking care of their welfare? Well, you know what, I, you you just touched on something there that I think is extremely important. And um, we we talk like everybody, if you ask, there, there's not a CEO on the face of the planet that if you walk in and you ask them, what is their most important commodity? They're going to say they're people, right? Yet time and time again, whenever we hit an economic downturn, what is the first thing yep. on the chopping block? It's our people. Yep. And you can't say that that's your most important commodity and make it the first sacrificial lamb you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great guest just a couple episodes ago, uh, Alexander Yastrzebrzeczki from InfoTrust, mm-hmm. and during the pandemic, he he his organization they signed what they called a no layoff pledge, and he made a commitment to keep everybody employed and paid throughout uh, throughout this pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And so where am I going with that? That's how you build a relationship. That's how you look out for your people. That's how you build loyalty is by showing them that you mean it when times are tough. Yeah, It's extremely easy to say and do when you're raking in record profits and everything is going up. But when these things hit, 
it really puts that to the test and it tells your team who you are. Yeah. And I promise you an organization that sticks to those principles through the tough times on the other end of that, you are going to have an extremely loyal workforce and you're going to know that nothing can stop you. That's Nothing's right. going to tear you down. And if it does, it was something huge. It was not a lack of effort on your part. So yeah. I think, you know, again, we talk about intentionality and authenticity. I'm going to say back it up with your actions. Yeah. When it comes time to show people that they matter and that they mean something to you, show them that they matter and mean something to you. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with that, Earl. I, th I think a lot too often when you get that response from, say, a high-level executive that our people are our most important asset, I think too often that response is coming from a financial perspective because it's likely that the people are the biggest investment a business is going to make, right? If you, you have any number of people and you look at your finances, your biggest expense is probably people, right? And their salaries and their benefits and things like that. And I feel like too many executives answer that question from a financial standpoint. Well, our biggest investment is in our people. So they're the most important asset we have. But then, like you say, when the rubber meets the road, do their actions suggest that, right? Whether it's in times of crisis and turmoil, kind of like with the, the pandemic we've had in the last year or so, or even when things are doing wonderfully, do you treat your people well? Do you, uh, do you take care of their welfare or do you just kind of run them into the ground to get, you know, more results from them? Do, are they a cog in the wheel, right? Or are mm -hmm. they truly people that you care about and are curious about authentically, genuinely curious about building good relationships? Because that's, as I was saying earlier, that's where the longevity in, in your team and in your business and in your business growth is, is when you have those kind of relationships with your team members. Whereas if you don't, it's going to be very, very short-sighted. Sometimes it's really short-sighted as you were alluding to. It's so short-sighted that in order to make these quarterly numbers look good, I've got to cut some team members. Um, that's an extremely short-sighted view of leadership. I, I certainly would say that. Well, Earl, again, yeah. it's been great, uh, great topic. Uh, one, I just love talking to a, a another devil dog, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, but also somebody that can just nerd out with me on leadership the way the way you and I can, especially when we have topics like building relationships that so resonate with both of us. What I would like for you to do, if you don't mind, is for the Rookie Leaders audience, um, tell them where they can find you, how they can connect with you. If they want to learn more about you and what you guys are doing or, or hear your podcast and so forth, let, let, let my audience know how they can connect with you better. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, the best way to reach out to me through email for this podcast is just uh, burden.command at gmail.com. That's burden.command at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us www.leadershipphalanx, P-H-A-L-A-N-X. That's all one word, uh, .com. I've got a link to the podcast on there. Uh, and again, you can find it on all of the, uh, all of the platforms that are out there, but, you know, definitely reach out, uh, burden.command at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about the show and make sure, uh, that you're going and rating and reviewing, uh, the rookie leaders podcast and, and helping, uh, helping Michael's show grow there. Uh, and then for the burden command crowd, 
how can uh, how can folks find out more about you there, Michael, and what you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate that. So the the um, the the website that you can check us out at is credibleleaders.com. Uh, credibleleaders.com. You'll find out everything that we're doing there in the way of leadership workshops and coaching and and things like that. You'll find email addresses there that you can certainly shoot me an email address. Um, as I said earlier, for the podcast, for the Rookie Leaders podcast, any podcast directory, uh, most likely that's out there, uh, then you can just search for the Rookie Leaders podcast. If you find a directory it's not in, then reach out to me and let me know that because I'm pretty sure it's in all of them. But if it's not, please let me know. But yeah, just search for the Rookie Leaders podcast. You'll find it there. And then as far as social media, I'm I'm kind of on all of them. But if you really want to connect with me the, the deepest on social media, find me on LinkedIn. That's where I do most of my uh, my, my business uh, in terms of social media. So just search for Michael Tanner on uh, on LinkedIn. You'll find me there and uh, welcome all your your comments and so forth. Uh, and yeah, to, to my crowd, Rookie Leaders guys, go search for the Burden of Command podcast. I've listened to it for some time now. I love it. You do some great interviews. So subscribe to the podcast there. And uh, as Earl said, yeah, rate and review those so that we can get this information into the ears and hearts of uh, of even more leaders out there. I greatly appreciate you doing that. So, so with that, Earl, hey, thanks again. Simplified to you. Thanks so much for being on the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Hoorah. Love you, brother. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, for my listeners, I look forward to speaking with you all again in the next episode. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember... Be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.